have, but I'm not quite sure what the next step should be. But hey, everyone is talking about cloud. <laughs> Must be the strategy for me to be successful, right? Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing and the F is for well you decide. So you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? Well, I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and in this podcast, I chat with marketing friends, old and new, that I've met through my career as a senior marketer and trusted advisor, and hopefully, along the way, share some marketing street knowledge that will bring out the Rockstar CMO in you. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode was recorded on Friday the 23rd of July. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying the same as you feel you need to be. A packed episode this week, Jeff Clark is back in his usual spot. My guest is Michael Loban, the Chief Growth Officer at InfoTrust. And Robert Rose will transport us away for a cocktail and we discuss the story of two generals in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Right. Let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment. A welcome back to my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former research director at Serious Decisions and Forrester. And having covered brand purpose in our previous little mini-series, we kick off this week with something new as we tackle the topic of planning. Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I am doing uh, very well. And today is my wedding anniversary. So we're uh, off to do some fun things after after talking to you. Well, congratulations, mate. Congratulations. And have you enjoyed your last couple of weeks off away from us? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, yeah. Yes, it's been, it's been nice. Yes. Although we've had some, it, it has been very interesting because we have had here in the Northeast United States, we've had some brutally hot weather. Yeah. Followed by some just torrential rains, yeah. followed by brutally hot weather, followed by torrential rains. And so you wow. feel like you're living in the, uh, I feel like I'm living in the tropics. Yeah, yeah. You know? Weirdly, same here. Um, I was just talking to some people in Manchester, and they were saying that yesterday they had they had um, the same sort of rain, and they were like, "This is weird for Manchester because you know the north of England is it hasn't got a reputation of having tropical weather." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then and then here everybody's complaining because it's so hot, and you know we don't have air conditioning and things like that. So yes, it's same here, but it is beautiful, and it's a beautiful summer's day. And you and I should be going and doing something else rather than. Absolutely. So let's get this. Let's let's get this this done. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So we're going to start a new series. So the last series uh, we talked about purpose, uh, and then I thought this series, or you thought actually, (laughs) this series, we'd focus on another big marketing topic that we can do over a a few different episodes, and that's planning. Yes. Uh, How do you feel about that? I feel um, I feel like that it's the time of year. So Mm -hmm. depending on. what company you work for planning either starts happening in the summer because you're going into a fiscal year at the end of the calendar year, or you totally ignore it and you wait till the end of the the fiscal year to do your planning. So given that the best way is to start thinking about it now, uh, I thought it'd be a good thing to talk about. And 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 it gets into lots of different, you know, because what, you know, you as a marketing partner in the company do as planning should, mm-hmm. you know, should roll into, you know, your tech investments, your content plans, your yep. campaigning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think it's great because um, hopefully if we're giving people a little bit of a nudge to do their planning early, because how many times are you doing um, your first half year planning in Q1? <laughs> <laughs> Hands up, listener, who's guilty of that? <laughs> And I've got my hand up as well. And so, Cert- so I think certainly where, where we worked together, uh, yeah. it was very guilty of that. Yeah, yeah. You're always constantly planning. But anyway, it's good to start. So let's start with um, the sort of basics of, of, of marketing planning. Where, where should we start with that then, Jeff? What to say you? Well, well what, so uh, I guess a statement I want to make, because this is something that, that, that uh, you know, I was often confronted with when, when I was mm-hmm. at 
forced or serious decisions and we would start talking about people planning and we put up some sort of construct and they'd say, yeah, but you know, we want to be back to one of our earlier discussions. We want to be agile. We want to be able yeah. to adapt. I mean, uh, yeah. And, and so to me, one of the precepts you want to go into is it's like, yes, you absolutely want to be agile, but even if you're trying to be agile or you're trying to use agile as, mm-hmm. as a process discipline itself, it needs, it needs a basis. It needs a strategy. Yeah. It needs a foundation of, you know, what are we trying to accomplish mm-hmm. uh, as marketers? What are we trying to accomplish for the company? And, yeah. and so it, your, your agility has to operate within, within that construct. So good planning mm-hmm. is just trying to set up <clears throat> the basics and without, without, cause a lot of people rush to detail, give me your, you know, g- give mm-hmm. me your content plan for next year. Mm-hmm. And how many people are going to hire? Yeah. And it's like, well, w- w- what am I going to, you know, what am I supposed to do? What are we trying to yeah. do for the business? Yeah. But, you know, what, what are all these other dependencies I have before yeah. I could actually give you an answer on that? And um, so, so anyway, so, you know, I, I just have jotted down like seven things that I think are, are essential and we can go into deeper detail as we go into this yeah. and further sessions. But to me, one of the, the first things is that you marketing needs to align its planning with the other revenue driving functions. So if that's right. the sales team, product team, services, customer, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever is customer facing driving revenue, um, you need to be aligned in planning. And that, and it, of course, this stage, if I mean, if we're, if we're making the assumption that right now we're thinking about the, the year starting at the calendar year. So we've got, you know, five to six months ahead of us yeah. is that nobody's got any details, but you want to know what are, what are your assumptions? So like from the sales perspective, it's like, okay, you, it looks like you're on track to drive a certain amount of revenue this year. What are your assumptions about next year? Is it going to mm-hmm. be, you know, growth or, you know, where, what, what segments are we, are we going to pull back on? So that people have a, a sense of kind of the starting assumptions. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, how are we driving growth? Are we going to acquire companies? Are we making new products? Are we, mm-hmm. are we, are we just trying to be more efficient? Um, Cause all of those things, you know, it's like it, at this point in a year, as people have evaluated the, the mid year, there should be, you know, on a corporate level, there should be assumptions about the things that are going to have to need to change mm-hmm. going into the following year. So getting that alignment is like, first and foremost. So the, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the CMO talking to the, you know, the head of sales, CRO or chief of product and, and, or, you know, people who are aligned. So if I'm running marketing for EMEA, I should just have a conversation with the person running sales in EMEA and say, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. um, so it's so important. The first step, and the first step is to, is to get aligned with C-suite, which we talk about all the time, right? Which is yeah. from a from a goals perspective, we need to be connected with them and what they're trying to achieve. But you're also saying is what other things are happening in the business, I guess, like product releases or um, acquisitions or significant hires and that kind of stuff and get an idea of what the year yeah. looks are, like from that perspective. Are, are we going to be ramping up in Asia mm-hmm. or not? You know, yeah. and 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 some of those things. I mean, this is one of those things that is definitely easier said than done. <laughs> but certainly having the con- because you know, I mean, the head of uh, the CEO of the company might be you know pro- uh, you know um, you know equivocating, saying I don't know, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah. and. Um, so, you know, and you can't cure all the ills of the organization, but, but yeah. the best thing is to have the conversation because if you have yeah. the conversation, at least you've, you've set the groundwork. So as things yeah. do solidify, yeah. you're, um, you're in a better position. And, yeah. and, I, and, and I, I, yeah, on that point, I think I'm, I'm hearing a lot more about the role of the CMO being described as that connect connection between the C-suite. And that's the role we as marketers need to play is to, is to connect people together within the business, not just externally. Exactly. And yeah. provide that. And as the CMO, provide that, inf- you know, the yeah. information you're gleaning, whatever you can provide down to the rest of the team, yeah. Yeah. you know, is, is essential. Yeah. Um, the, the second thing I, I was thinking of is, um, and, and this is also uh, easier said than done, but it's to segment <laughs> your planning. <laughs> I'd say everything about planning is easier said than done. <laughs> everything but, on um, this podcast is easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um, 
the uh, is the segment you're planning by the way the organization looks at revenue. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, so often in organizations, you know, think of revenue just in maybe like regional, big regional terms, or, uh, you know, maybe it's product line and maybe you don't think it should be the product line, but, mm-hmm. but if, if you're going into business reviews, you know, particularly quarterly business reviews, mid-year reviews or whatever, and they're looking at, at revenue coming in, whether it's by, you know, industry segment, product line, customer right. segment, you know, enterprise, mid-market, et cetera. Yeah. Um, if you're not able to address what are you doing to, mm-hmm. to uh, you know, to help us eat our, our revenue goals by those same dimensions, then you're out of sync. So if I, yeah. you know, if I'm thinking of, of, of doing my marketing plan by persona and the company is looking at industry segments, then I'm, yeah. I'm obviously going to have a clash. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Again, that's a it, it can be it can be challenging, but the one thing that that a couple things that enables you to do one is it it makes you as a marketer look like you are there. I mean, you're looking at the business the way the business is looking at itself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you can ask the question: Is like, well, what's marketing role in actually achieving the revenue profitability goals in each of those segments? Right. Um, because in some cases, um, you know, you may think you've got some grand sort of global campaign to address awareness. But if mm-hmm. awareness is only an issue in one segment yeah. and 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 revenue demand creation yeah. is, a, is a, a bigger issue in another seg in that segment. And then there's, yeah. you know, so the more you piece, you look at the pieces individually, um, yeah. again, the better you look like you're actually answering the question of what can marketing do to support revenue generation in the business. Right, right. So we're aligning with the goals of the business. Then we're taking a segmented view about how how we want to plan around the different segments, personas, industries, and all that kind of stuff. So what's next? So, so the, so, you know, and actually I, I, I sort of stepped into the what next, which is the asking yourself <laughs> the question, which is what, what is marketing doing to hit the goals? So if I understand right. the goals are increase revenue here, hold mm-hmm. revenue here, improve customer satisfaction here, uh, improve retention here, mm-hmm. then, then my, my, my idea of what marketing's contribution is going to be different for each of those market mm. segments. Mm-hmm. And, and I can define what my, what my goals are. So setting the marketing goals to be relevant to mm. the company's, um, you know, again, business goals becomes really important. So it's like, okay, am I going to contribute X amount to demand? Um, am I going to try to improve customer awareness or preference for us in this segment by, you know, from this point to mm-hmm. this point? And, and so now you're starting to, to create a quantifiable approach to, you know, the company's trying to drive some, um, you know, whether it's revenue, profitability, customer mm-hmm. retention goals by segment, you know, I'm looking at what I need to do to help contribute to that. Now I can actually set some quantifiable goals Right. It shows that I'm actually contributing to that. So now yeah. I've got a way of tracking my progress. And again, at those quarterly business re- reviews, reporting on my progress mm-hmm. to to support those goals. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. And I like that segmented view. I, don't, I, um, I think too often that we, we just focus on awareness of the whole organization or revenue across the whole organization. Whereas actually, if you dig down a little bit, you can find the squeaky wheels, you can find that actually, if you put a bit more focus in a particular market or, or or you're trying to move into a different vertical, that's really where the investment's needed and, and you'll move the needle faster by yep. being a bit more focused. I think that's excellent. So so, so, we're, so, we're, so we're doing that and then we've set some metrics around that. What's the next part of planning? From your, I, I think well, we've got a few of these, right? Yes, yes, I do. So, so uh, <laughs> to keep track of listeners, step four <laughs> is, well, is, is to think about so your 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 campaign planning, everything we've said is is aligning the way the business is looking mm-hmm. at 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 revenue, and so therefore the next thing is to say, well, if I've got campaigns which address personas, address um, specific needs that cross these segments, now I need to do the exercise that says, well, what what campaign am I going to use in this segment if I'm trying to drive awareness? You know what. Mm-hmm. Or what campaign am I going to use in this segment if this particular persona and I've got 
I know, understand the needs of the persona, the messaging. We've developed content. We just need to tweak it. We need it. So how does that fit into, you know, into, um, you know, the segment view mm. of the planning? And so you've got this kind of little matrix exercise you need to go through to make sure that you're actually arming yourself with the tools to, to hit those goals and, and your, your campaign structure is, is, uh, is you're making sense of the campaign structure. You know how each particular campaign, again, if I'm saying campaigns cross these segments, how each campaign is going to be contributing to your, to your goals, mm-hmm. um, which then leads me into um, the is this number five, item, item number five. Yeah, so, right. so, so I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep keep tracks. So and now we're diving in. We've done the segments. We're now diving into their campaigns and tactics for each of those segments that's going to drive against those goals. So number five, number five is um, we used to call key actions, and, mm-hmm. and it's basically it's basically your kind of your to do list. And this this mm-hmm. becomes more important as you get closer to the year. But it's like, what are the things that we need to do? In marketing, now that we've set up our structure of our, uh, you know, business goals, marketing goals, campaigning, so um, you know, are there things that we need to make sure are in place? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, do we need to spin up a new customer retention program in for a particular segment? Do we do we um, need to uh, you know refresh a campaign because we've we had the right idea, but but things have changed in the market. We need to refresh all the content. And so it's important to create this kind of short list of the key things that the, that the marketing team, particularly the leadership team need to focus on to make sure we're prepared for next year. Right. And this also should include the things that you are not going to do. Mm. So if, and, and this is to me as simple as it sounds has been the hardest thing in my experience. I'm going from year to year at every company yeah. I've been at. It's like, there are certain things that we used to do and we may like them. They may be, the, they, you know, mm. maybe the favorite, you know, trade show we used to go to or, or, you know, the favorite event, but if it doesn't fit into this strategy we've developed, um, then it's like, we shouldn't be doing it. And we, and you need to be brutal to say what we should continue doing mm. what you do. because everything you decide to continue to do that does not fit into helping you meet your goals and the company meet its goals is going to take time away and energy away from the things you absolutely need to do. That's so good. And so if you, if you've created a list, if you create a list of things that, that are, that are either new or things you need to spend time to mm-hmm. enhance. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I got this long list. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now let's, what do we got to take off the list? Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, you know, my favorite example, just because events, you know, tend to drive so much of marketing is that is that with events, you got to be brutal to say, you know, if we went to event to drive, you know, demand or awareness of a particular segment, and now all of a sudden that's not important, you just need to take it off the take it yeah. off the book. And it may be difficult because you've probably made a commitment for the mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. And um, but, you know, you got to cut your losses yeah. uh, while you can. And um, uh, and again, events should be should fit into a strategy as opposed to be just something that that, you know, that. Uh, Absolutely. That I think it's, activity. Yeah, I think it's weird, isn't it? Sometimes saying no is harder than saying yes and, and making those changes. And I, I think are you thinking of something like a Moscow model where you look at sort of what you must do, what you should do, what you could do and what you won't do? Make it very clear that you're not going to yeah. do those things. Yeah. Absolutely. Although I don't like using Moscow because Russians aren't very popular around here. <laughs> <laughs> Not after the hack of two weeks ago that <laughs> one of my clients just went topsy turvy over. But anyway. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so, no, but I totally number, agree. Is that number six? Have I been keeping That's, count? That was number five. And so, number, oh, number six. Five. Yeah. Number five. Number uh, six is listing your the risks, the risks and dependencies. So, you know, as you just kind of go down the cascade and, you know, these are all the things that we need to, you know, goals we need to hit. This is blah, blah, blah. These are the key actions. It's like, oh, my gosh. So we need to, you know, we need to hire in a particular function. Maybe we need to hire a new content marketing team or something yeah. like that. Or we need we don't have anybody that understands customer advocacy and retention programs. So we need to hire for that. Or we don't have the tools we need. And this is kind of where where the, the marketing plan starts to mm-hmm. 
starts to provide direction to other plans. So, you know, if you think about the, you know, you needed to do, you know, your review of your technology to do your, 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 your due diligence on tech planning and kind of build a roadmap out. It's like, you should be taking your cues of where do we need to, you know, build more, uh, you know, digital capabilities, you know, where do we, where are their new systems? You know, do we have an issue with customer data and we've been, you know, we've been limping along for years. And so now we need to make an investment in a service or customer data platform. And, and those are many times those, those and the people resources and also the budget, you know, are key dependencies um, to say, I mean, you don't want to create a list of excuses, but you do want to create a list of things that these are the things we need to solve for to make sure yeah. we can hit our goals. And by the way, if we can't, so if for some reason we can't hire the person who, yeah. you know, is the expert on customer retention, then maybe we push back on the goals and we delay till we can do that hire to, to try to um, try to achieve those. Right. Right. No, that's, um, that's important. So, so we've, um, so we've aligned our goals with the C-suite. We we understand the the we've, we've segmentized those those issues. We've we've then um, put together some campaign planning around each of those issues, and we've come up with our core key things that we need to do. We've then prioritized those and not used Moscow, and then we identified <laughs> the risks. So I'm up to six. So what's number seven? What's our final one then, Jeff? <laughs> Well, the, the ideally is you want to be able to summarize this on a page, a piece wow. of paper, a yeah. PowerPoint slide, yeah. uh, you know, an infographic, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Something, well, something, <laughs> yeah, something that is uh, yeah. easily editable because yeah. the, the great thing about uh, summarizing on a page Maybe, maybe it's two pages or whatever, but it's like it, it, to keep it short is that you want to be able to um, shop this around. You want to be able to uh, show it to your, your other colleagues and you want to be able to within the team be able to look at something and say, OK, this is for for the high, entire marketing team. This mm-hmm. is a, a high level view of our plan. And so if I am turning to the person that runs, you know, marketing in a particular region or runs content, digital, you know, all the other functions, they've got a, a roadmap that they can build their individual plans to. Right. And, um, uh, and then if things change, it's not like you go back because, you know, one of the big sins and certainly I've been guilty of this and I've seen many people guilty of this is, you know, my plan, you know, I run a region, my plan is a 50 slide deck, PowerPoint deck. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, going back and and editing that and communicating that to anybody about what you're changing your plans are is just incredibly um mm. it, it's it's unwieldy mm. and so and so creating the summary document enables the team yeah. to do their plan also enables you to compare notes with right. your allies and sales and product etc so that just uh, takes us full circle right that's the thing then that we then get that aligned with the c-suite and we're back to step number one almost in terms yep. of aligning our goals well that's fantastic that's a good framework to start off with and i think that certainly will something we can build out over the next uh, few weeks so that sounds fantastic what's um and um and so we'll we'll cover that and we'll start there with that next week will we jeff yes we will yeah, jolly Absolutely. good. And in the meantime, if uh, folks want to look you up or, and when they spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you, Jeff? <sighs> on vacation. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> on link- LinkedIn is still the best. Jeff yeah. Clark, Amherst, Massachusetts on LinkedIn. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And hit you up. And at Rockstar yeah. CMO Advisors. Well, yes, that's been fantastic. That's true. Yep. Thank you very much, and, Jeff. And, and we can't forget our, our, um, our going out music. No. Oh yes. What are we going to What are we going to listen to this week, Jeff? So this week, um, and we could continue this for the series, is <laughs> making plans for Nigel by <laughs> XTC. And I don't know who Nigel is, but we could think he's like he's like one of our personas. <laughs> Nigel is our our CTO that we're we're developing a plan for, so we need to make plans. For well, Jeff, I've definitely missed your musical choices, so we'll be playing out to XTC, making plans for Nigel, <laughs> and uh, and I'll see you again next week. Sounds great. Take see care. You Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Bye bye. We're only making plans for Nigel. We only 
Thank you, Jeff. A good start to the topic here. And I think we've all missed his music selections. Let us know what you think of the music or the topic. As you know, we're Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. On to our guest this week. Michael Loban is the Chief Growth Officer at InfoTrust, a global analytics, consulting and data governance company. When he is not motivating organisations to undertake a digital transformation, Michael can be found passing on the power of digital analytics to the next generation of marketers and analysts through his roles as term adjunct professor at the University of Cincinnati and adjunct faculty at Xavier University. He is also a presenter and author with work published in Forbes, Adweek and CIO magazine. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Michael, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm doing very well, and you? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Michael. And for people that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, where do I start? Uh, <laughs> uh, Michael Loban. Uh, I work at InfoTrust, a uh, uh, digital analytics consulting technology company. Really, if uh, any of your listeners uh, find uh, uh, them uh, browsing uh, online, looking at websites, and then see different advertisements, uh, our job is to measure how well those ads are performing. That's what right. we do. Right. Cool. And and um, and how many of you? You're quite quite a large organization. Yeah, organization is uh, uh, quite large. Uh, we are the remote right now, as everyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, we have offices across the United States, also in Europe and Asia. Yeah. Uh, so, cool. Uh, cool. And that's InfoTrust. And, and you run it from there, from Cincinnati, aren't you? That's where we're talking to you from today. That's right. I am based in Cincinnati. I uh-huh. used to travel quite a bit for work, meeting with yeah. our partners, meeting with our teams. But yeah. uh, for the past year, I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like all of us locked down. So right. your current role is as chief growth officer. And I find this role, this title really interesting because there's a lot of discussion about marketing not being aligned to growth, which is why organizations are creating chief growth officers. But your background is as a marketer and also as an educator. What inspired you to get into marketing in the first place? I think uh when I was uh, initially in the marketing, I was starting more on uh, advertising, uh, let's say media side. Mm-hmm. Uh, social uh, media was uh, the it word uh, when mm-hmm. I was getting started. But then uh, I started to notice that, hey, everyone is talking about uh, retweets. Everyone is talking about likes, uh, comments, mm-hmm. but uh, not many people are talking about uh, data. Mm-hmm. And so there seemed to be a big opportunity of how does all of this uh, marketing activity translate into actionable uh, KPIs and how mm-hmm. do we determine you know, what marketing budgets should be, what should we be expecting from our, our marketing budgets, mm-hmm. what type of revenue, what type of bottom line can we be generating? And those were the questions that uh, uh, I started to focus on and uh, obviously our organization uh, continues to focus on. Right, so you were data, data-led marketing before it was a term by the sounds of things. This definitely started uh, in this uh, when analytics uh, obviously was popular. Mm-hmm. You know, analytics is not new. Companies yeah. have been using analytics uh, since uh, the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. But uh, when we were getting started, this digital analytics, uh, you know, Google Analytics was just getting speed, right? Mm-hmm. There was no Google Analytics 360, a paid version. Adobe was kind of the enterprise uh, mm-hmm. solution uh, of record for almost every major advertiser. And that obviously has changed. There's a lot more attention that is happening in the measurement uh, analytics space, a lot more players. uh, Mm -hmm. And the ad tech uh, world uh, is uh, extremely complex uh, from Mm -hmm. the architecture standpoint, but also the number of players that exist in it. Mm -hmm. So it's quite a complicated problem. And and that's actually why I want to get you onto the podcast, because as a data analytics expert, because it's a it's a topic close to my heart. I love geeking out on the data, but I know that it's something that hopefully our listeners are all into as well. Um, so um, you talk about um, why web analytics are key to growth. I've, I've read that, that you've, you've said that. So why do you think web analytics is so important to marketers right now? I look at the analytics as uh, optics, right? Mm-hmm. It helps us see things for what they are. Mm-hmm. Right? If uh, somebody asks me tomorrow, well, how do I grow my business? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a big question, right? Or how do I market my business? And uh, Immediately, I will start asking questions. Well, who are you marketing to? 
Yeah. Right? Who is your ideal customer? Where do you advertise right now? What channels have been effective? What channels have not been effective? So I'm doing uh, not really analysis, uh, but I'm collecting information to make sure that the feedback or the recommendation that I give back is not based on my gut feel like, oh, mm -hmm. go do podcast advertising, right? Or go mm -hmm. do TV marketing. But it's actually based on what has worked for that organization before mm -hmm. and uh, what we see happening in the industry. So I think data gives us, again, optics to see mm -hmm. things uh, for how they operate, uh, what is working, what is not working, and really getting an accurate picture. Because if our data is not accurate, most mm -hmm. likely our decisions uh, are not going to produce the types of results that we want. Mm -hmm. And do you think there's a challenge? I mean, we always talk about that marketing has never had so much data. Do you think that's true? And do you think, or do you think there's a challenge with how clean our data is or that we've got too much or too little data? Where, where do you see it when you're working with your clients? To me, it's not really a problem. Some have uh, maybe too much data. Some mm -hmm. might have uh, not enough data. That's not really a problem, right? Uh, to me, the problem is knowing how to make the most of the data that you have right now. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, the, the first thing is when an organization is uh, thinking about making some kind of decision, right, we need to take an inventory of data and say, well, what data do we have access to? And uh -huh. based on that data, what decision can we make? And sometimes we will be able to say, well, look, we just don't have this data, so we cannot rely on this. So how do we get better at collecting this type uh -huh. of information? Right. On the other hand, uh, you might be having a conversation with the company and it seems like they have all the data in the world uh -huh. and they still have not quite figured out what to make of it uh, and uh, how to turn it into day-to-day -day uh -huh. decisions, right? That's ultimately what we are after. Right, it has to be a habit. You right. wake up, you start doing your work, and as a marketer, you look at the dashboard, you look at the report, you do the analysis. Right, yeah. it has to be habitual. Otherwise, it's just not going to produce results. I love that. So the idea that we 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 put that into our everyday life, rather than just sort of once a month when the boss asks us for our reports, that we that we actually keep an eye on the dashboard on a regular basis. And you're absolutely correct. A lot of times. Uh, uh, reports are produced uh, every month uh, mm -hmm. or every quarter, right? Uh, when we have to share those uh, with executive committee or with our yeah. managers, and that's not uh, the right way to use this information, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the right one, if somebody wants a report from you every month, that's great. Mm -hmm. Have it for them. But the question is, uh, how do you do it on day-to-day -day basis? Right. And right. if you do not, then most likely, you haven't connected what data you need to the types of work that you're doing on day-to-day -day basis. Right, right, right. So, so, so it's all about relevant data then and collecting the right stuff and getting that correct insight that's for your everyday job. Make sure that's in front of you. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. And when we talk about web analytics, as we were just now, um, Google is probably the tool most of us are familiar with. I remember, you know, mm -hmm. like you would say, like in the old days, web trends and Omniture before Adobe bought and all that kind of stuff. But now it seems Google is probably the tool that most of us have. And I know you've written a book about that, uh, Crawl, Walk, Run, Advanced Analytics Maturity with Google Marketing Platform. Tell us a bit about that book. It's a, it's a great book, uh, <laughs> a, a real uh, page turner. Mm -hmm. So the, the reason we wrote this book is, uh, as an organization, we do most of our work with enterprises. Right? Mm -hmm. And by working with uh, some of the most recognized brands in the world, the largest uh, consumer packaged goods companies, the largest retailers, uh, there's a certain body of knowledge that we have. And in the past, uh, again, our knowledge and our skills uh, have been applied to solve problems or challenges for these large advertisers. But we realized that also there are smaller uh, companies uh, that are struggling with similar questions, right? Where do I advertise? Who is my ideal customer? How do I leverage Google Analytics? How do I use Google Optimize? So we decided to take 10 years uh, of experience in this uh, field and uh, put it in a book uh, to share it, uh, A, with uh, companies or partners that we work with right now, but mm -hmm. also possibly with uh, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, small business owners that want to be more data driven 
but uh, might not be able to work with organization like ours just yet. Right, I like that. So, so what you're saying saying there is that these kind of um, lessons that you've learned over ten years can apply to any business, big or small. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, you know, if uh, the organization is just getting started, uh, and uh, you might be in a position to sell one uh, product a day or one product a week, mm-hmm. probably the amount of data that you have is is limited. But you can still find some nuggets of how to set up reporting of how to set up data collection. So as your business right. continues to grow, you have this type of valuable data from day one. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because if you build those foundations correctly in the first place, then you're not having to go back and try and re-engineer it and bring all the data in. So that, that's that's interesting. And, <clears throat> and do you tend to work mainly with B2C or B2B as well? It's a truly combination of uh, both. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, probably... 60-70% is uh, uh, B2C, but mm-hmm. then a lot of organizations also B2B. You know, one thing to mention, yes, there is, you know, when we talk about B2B, it's a business obviously that's selling to other businesses, but mm-hmm. when you sell to other businesses, ultimately you sell to people within yeah. those businesses. Yeah. And uh, that's where analytics is obviously very important because mm-hmm. uh, if you're selling to another organization, within that organization, you may have five, six, ten different stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Those stakeholders might be interested in different type of content, might be interested in different type of educational programs mm-hmm. that your company can offer. And all of those require analytics. Yeah. Or and should be supported by analytics. Yeah. My, my, I mean, my, my day job really is, is has been working with B2B for, for years. And I think it's really interesting the point you made there, because as a content marketer, I'm interested in, you know, those handoffs where there's different people in the business that are interested in different content. And how do you then, you know, build that as a customer journey? Because they're all different people. So I guess that's the challenge you probably face in B2B. It's a multi person buying process, right? Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So um, your book is called Crawl, Crawl, Walk, Run. Where do you suggest people start with their crawling? What's the top piece of advice you often, you often give to your clients? What's the first thing you often see? Ask yourself, what am I after? Mm-hmm. Right? And don't just uh, stop with saying, well, I want to grow my revenue, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's an easy one. But let's get more specific. Okay, well, we want to grow our revenue. What's the percentage? 20, 30, 40%. It's okay. I want to grow by 40%. Okay. Well, do we want to grow it over the next 10 years by 40% or before the end of the year? Or we can say, I want to grow my business by 40% before the end of the year. Great. Next question would be, do you suspect uh, that you will be able to grow your business by 40% going after new clients or mm-hmm. by nurturing and growing your existing clients? Mm-hmm. And person might say, well, it really is not going to come from my existing clients because they've already purchased everything that I can offer them. Mm-hmm. It's going to come from my new business. Excellent. The past 10 clients that were the most valuable for your business, what marketing channel did they come from? Mm-hmm. You, know, you might get the response, well, it seems like they came from LinkedIn or they came from the website. But if they came to the website, how did they arrive to your website? The answer might be, well, they arrived at my website because I was running advertising campaign on LinkedIn. Okay, so mm-hmm. now you are telling me that by running advertising campaign on LinkedIn and by spending, let's say, a thousand dollars on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. you were able to generate ten clients over the past quarter. Is that correct? So, yeah, that's about right. Okay, so how can we do this and replicate this, or how can we get even better at LinkedIn advertising mm-hmm. to be able to have the same client acquisition over the next uh, three? six, nine months. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if the person will tell me, well, it seems like 40% growth is going to come from my current clients. So, great. How are we interacting with our current clients right now? Right. So start thinking about this type of business questions. Mm-hmm. And then it will bring you to the types of analytics that you need to get the answer. Yeah, I love it. I love the way you broke that down. And I also like the way that like a lot of things we talk about on the show, like budget or a lot of things with marketing is understand your goals first before you start doing these things. And a lot of what we talk about also is about understanding the goals of the organization as a marketer. So then you can you can put these correct metrics in place 
so that I, I love that and I love the way you just simplified that and brought that down that's it's really that's really interesting and I'm sure it's going to be useful to to the listeners um that's excellent and I think that you've sum, summarized the book really nicely there uh, for the final question we have a regular feature on Rockstar CMO called the simple inspired by all those old rock stars that would chuck things in simples it's our portal to hell for all the bs snake oil and overhyped trends from this marketing industry love what would you throw into our Rockstar CMO swimming pool I would say, uh, especially over the past uh, uh, year or so, mm-hmm. is when somebody tells me, well, we need to be doing uh, more stuff in the cloud, right? <laughs> or we, we want to be, we want to focus more on big data. Yeah. Okay, let, let's break this down a little bit, mm-hmm. right? I, I think things like cloud, obviously, it can be exceptionally powerful, right? And I can give mm-hmm. you case studies of, phenomenal projects that you can be doing within Google Cloud, within mm-hmm. Google Machine Learning, right? But let's really break this down. What are we after instead of just saying what's popular or what's mm-hmm. hot right now and mm-hmm. pass it on for a strategy, right? Saying we need to do more stuff in the cloud is not a strategy. Right. That most likely it's going to be confusing for your team to really understand the uh, what is that, what is that supposed to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably my biggest, uh, I love it. I love uh, it. So, one right now. Yeah. I love it. Cause it's like so many things that we do as marketers, we think about the tactic first and then what we're going to do with the tactic rather than think about what we're trying to mm-hmm. achieve and then what are the right tactics. So people are saying to you, I want to use big data. And I want to be in the cloud because your data analytics. And it's like, hang on a minute. You don't need to know that. You don't need to have that much data. Is that what you're saying? So one is uh, sometimes, so uh, again, it's not really about the data. It's about those business questions that you're asking. Yeah. And the other one is uh, just saying that, hey, we need to do more yeah. in the cloud. That's not, that yeah. typically means that I, I'm not happy with maybe what I have, but I'm not quite sure what the next step should be. But hey, everyone is talking about cloud. <laughs> must be the strategy for me to be successful, right? So sometimes I think we are overusing uh, these uh, popular terms yeah. uh, instead of focusing uh, on business drivers. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect for the pool. I love it. So anyway, so closing off, um, where, where when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you, Michael? The easiest is probably finding me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also contact me through the company website, uh, infotrust.com. Mm-hmm. Book is available on Amazon. And earlier this year, we published second edition of the book. It's an updated uh, version that uh, also has a couple of new chapters mm-hmm. uh, available. So all of the above, uh, typically uh, easy avenues to, to find me. Splendid. Thank you very much, Michael. And that book is Crawl, Walk, Run, Advanced Analytics Maturity with Google Marketing Platform. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Michael. I look forward to speak to you soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Michael. A critical topic for marketers. And it was about time we chucked the hype around big data and cloud into the swimming pool. Right, it's that time of the week. It's Friday evening, time to wind down and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, and the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Ah, hello, my friend, and welcome to the bar. Um, oh, I forgot to close the little vent where I live. Um, <laughs> we should probably close that up. Um, You're going to make me put that, that sound effect back in now. That's just, that's, now I've got some producing to do. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I like to make really, work for you. That is, really my, that is my goal is to make as much work for you in post-production <laughs> as I possibly can. Oh, look, there's an elephant coming into the room now, Ian. <laughs> that damn thing <laughs> get out <laughs> yeah that i think he's dancing to the samba music that's playing <laughs> all right um this week we have drink. <laughs> uh, we, yeah right well, we need a few um this week we have one of my favorite drinks that i haven't made in quite a while 
Um, it is a it is classically called a whiskey smash, um, and it's a it's a it's a really nice one. And and I'm a big fan of uh, this. Well, there's so many whiskeys that I really really love, and you know I've I've found this these these four roses. Uh, bourbon, which I am just absolutely in, in love with, which is what I'm drinking tonight, what we'll be drinking tonight, um, as this whiskey smash. And so it's uh, this bourbon, lovely Four Roses bourbon, um, with a little lemon juice, some mint, um, which mint leaves, you can muddle those up or smash them however you like to do it. That's where the name gets its uh, name, of course. Um, again, uh, as we did um, recently, um, some simple syrup that I'm actually leaving out this time um, is usually what you're going to put in there. But I'm leaving out the simple syrup for just the lemon juice, the mint leaves, and a little lemon peel. Um, and I add just a little bit of uh, bitters to it just for that sweetness that the simple syrup might provide. Just, you know, just a little and pick your flavor there. Um, nice. and you've got yourself a whiskey smash and it's that really, sounds nice. really I, nice. Yes, that sounds, well, I, I'll, let me see what I've got on my desktop bar. Now I have to confess that I haven't got four roses bourbon, but in my actual, uh, if you would like to call it a bar, I, I do have those ingredients and I actually, um, I have some fresh mint growing in the garden as I think you grow fresh mint too. So that would be great, but that's a digression. I need to make the drink now. So let me see what I've got. So I don't have Four Roses uh, bourbon. I do have Hendrix Luna Gin. Yes, similar. not whiskey, but we'll we will we will do without. But it's from it's from where they make whiskey. You know, the world. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> yes. what I forgot. And then sorry, sorry again to Dennis. Uh, I forgot to put the icing. So there's the ice. Oh, there you go. Um, that's you the go. gin. And then um, you will put into that some mint. Uh, what else do you put? You put in some bitters, some Just lime. a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit because I avoid the simple syrup. Nice. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of simple syrup either. Um, but I do, but I am a fan of uh, these wonderful people that make your drinks for you. Uh, these people that make tonic water. Ah, Ooh. yes, indeed. That's, that was a bit lively. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I've sprayed my keyboard with tonic water because I've obviously limed it up too much. But let's, let's stick some tonic water in there. Give this a taste. Mmm. That's delicious, Robert. Yeah. I love that. Is it? Yeah. Isn't yeah. it lovely? I could drink these every week. Very nice. I suspect you. you might. <laughs> Very nicely. Put the top back on my gin. That's that's delicious. And where um, are you going to transport us away to to drink these? You know, I think we are going. So, and I know we get there a lot. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, in, in you know, in our in our in our chats together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a real. I have a real uh, miss right now for uh, New York City. Oh, yes. Um, and I just, you know, I just miss it. Um, yeah. And I, I haven't been. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't have any immediate plans to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I've, you know, it's funny. I was, I was seeing it on TV. It seems like every movie that I'm watching has New York mm-hmm. as its main location. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I, I absolutely, I love that city so much and it's, and I I miss it. So I think we have to get to New York Uh, and, and find a cozy little place to go drink our whiskey smashes. Oh, I can name a few places and and especially if we go cozy rather than some of the upscales. Yeah. Yeah, Some of the upscale places. I mean, you can't. Yeah. And there is a, there is a, there is a sushi bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and which it sounds weird to go with whiskey smashes, but it does. Yeah. It would work. I totally, I totally yeah. just guarantee it. There is a sushi place on Columbus Circle, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know up in Midtown. That yeah. is just absolutely spectacular. Um, yeah. And yeah, that that might be a great place for us. Uh, man, I, lo- I love it. And um, well, as you know, I, I worked there for a, for a few years and lived up in Connecticut and. Uh, the, and, and the our commute, my I, I chose well to live in Connecticut because then your commute is bringing you into Grand Central rather than rather than the other station, and so you're you you come from New England, ish, right? And you arrive in New York going through Grand Central, and then you walk to Times Square where we were based, and man, you know you're right there. It was I, yes, I missed that too, so I, I completely yeah. agree on that. So. Um, 
And once we're done telling our stories about our favorite bars and what other bars we could be in rather than the bar we've chosen, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've decided, you know, is that piece of sushi all right? Um, <laughs> what is it that our conversation would turn to? Well, I've got a, I've got a good one this week. Mm. Um, you know, a good conversation because it's it's topical as well as as something that I think is really interesting as well, which is so a lot of what we work on with the companies that we work with is process, of course. Yeah. And some of the things that we hear, one thing that I hear a lot is that somebody will say, you know, somebody in the business, a VP or a director of marketing or something will say, it's impossible for us to manage our budget or our resources for content because we're never sure what other teams are going to need. And at its surface, you go, huh, Hmm. that problem, that challenge only exists where the classic sort of centralized team serves, you know, sort of as an internal content factory for multiple parts of, of a business, you know, and the content team produces assets based on requests and multiple groups. And as such, the complaint would be, we never know what anybody's going to need. So it's hard for us to manage budget or resources. Yeah. But interestingly, what we've discovered is, is that this problem really also affects decentralized teams where there are multiple siloed teams maintaining their own budget and their own strategy for content creation and management for, for marketing. And the interesting thing is, is that the, the symptom of that is this sort of this lack of coordination and, and communication. And it reminds me of this. Um, are you familiar with the uh, the two generals problem? It's a computer science um, challenge. It's not. Do, uh, do you, yeah, I, I think I am. Yeah, I mean, it's not the one from Star Trek, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. No, 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 no. The two generals problem is basically this classic problem uh, proposed by uh, computer scientists, mm-hmm. which basically says. So there's two generals on two hilltops and in between them is a valley where there is a castle and a heavily fortified, heavily defended castle. Both generals and the armies that they command want to take the castle, but neither can take it alone. Right. So they're, so the idea was is, is that they have to attack simultaneously in order to take the castle. Right. The problem is, is that how do they communicate that when, you know, they both know that they, they need to do that, but when should they attack? The problem comes in that there's no reliable means of communicating that because if one general sends a person through the valley, they may or may not get, yeah. uh, uh, you know, attacked by the castle and never make it over. Or even if they do make it over, there's no confirmation available because the other general can't reliably send a confirmation back that I got your message. We're ready yeah. to roll. Right. And so, and it's an intractable problem. It, it basically, there, there is no solution to it, really. You can only mitigate it. Mm-hmm. And so I see this in this siloed problem, right? With this, with this, you know, with this complaint mm-hmm. that we hear with, with content teams, you know, so for example, one organization completely siloed, demand gen team creates a buyer's guide, let's say, goes live field marketing goes, wow, they see it on the website. They go, I want a customized version of that. So they go to their team and, uh, you know, who all their content is, is supplied by global marketing uh-huh. uh, and says, I want a buyer's guide for our audience. Yeah. And then business leaders in Asia and Europe, they see that request and they go, hey, we need a version of that for ourselves. And so Global marketing had no idea in their budget or their resources or their plan that they were going to create a buyer's guide, but now they have to spend time and money creating one, mm-hmm. customized versions for EMEA, for APAC, and for the field marketing team because they all want their own custom versions of it. So now they have three assets to create instead of just one. And now they PR and corporate communications sees it on the website and says, hey, we're going to create our own version of that. We're going to use some of our money to create our own version of that. They make it available for free on their newsroom website. <laughs> but of course, it's gated on the demand gen team's website. So now, if, depending on how you come in as a customer, you can either get it for free on the newsroom site or you can get it if you give over your personal information on the demand mm-hmm. gen site. And basically, it's a huge mess. And so multiply that by four, five, six, seven, ten, twenty 10, 20 assets over the course mm-hmm. of a year. 
Mm-hmm. And, and you have a giant, giant mess. And people going, why is it any wonder that we're really struggling with this whole content thing? And that's when you get the, you know, the and, and in this particular case, the client said to me, you know, we can't manage our budget or our plan because we can't predict what other big rocks anybody, any of the other groups are going to throw into the middle of the pond and create all these ripples yeah. that I have to deal with. Yeah. And that's the real key. So is the idea to collapse everything and go back to this like fully centralized where only one group creates all the content? No. Is it to do a fully decentralized and just sort of let them run their own worlds? No, that's not better. So they're just like the two generals problem. There really is no perfect answer, you know, for the two generals problem. Basically engineers have concluded that the only way to do it is to basically increase to the extent you can the reliability of communication, basically send as many messengers as you can Mm -hmm. and hopeful, you know, and just sort of get communication back as best you can till you have a degree of confidence that, you know, it's going to work. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is here. You just create processes and governance and ultimately communication as reliably as you can between groups, coordination between a planning of content to get it as, as good as you possibly can, and that's and that's what you can really strive for, and it 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 seems to be working for those organizations that yeah. were that were working with this. Yeah, and that's and but isn't that when when you're content marketing like that, you've haven't you then decentralized your editorial boards? I mean, sure, it isn't it's difficult, isn't it? Is it it because obviously everybody's idea for a piece of content that's needed is needed, right? So therefore, you know, but how do you then arbitrate between because to your point right if you in order to control the cost or the level of effort on the content you're producing you're going to need to say no to some stuff unless you work in an incredibly unimaginative organization that aren't thinking of any of these ideas so how 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 does that happen yeah you just have to think about you know in it's funny when we think about content creation planning and i think we've actually talked about this before mm-hmm. when we think about content creation planning in business where our heads usually go are how do we line up all the stuff you know basically how do we account and line up all the stuff we're going to produce in other words where people are going to open up photoshop and indesign and microsoft word and you know wordpress and all and all the stuff that we need to like type out and make and you know produce instead of saying there is a planning process that comes before that where as a team or as an individual that acts like a dictator one of the two you know you do say no to some things and you do say yes but that'll wait for some things you do align the things that work together so it is a proper content planning process that occurs before you then say, okay, here's the portfolio and the lineup of stuff that we need to produce. So there's, there's creation planning and then there's production planning. And those two things are very different. And so when you think about where you're, where the decentralized or centralized sits, if you're decentralized at the very least, you need a coordinated cross-functional team Mm -hmm. to actually come together and make that planning process work right 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 okay and that i mean this i think and i know that we're almost out of time this i could definitely pick your brains up for for another couple of these drinks or maybe switch to a martini which i think is something there we go yeah that we've enjoyed in new york before so um but uh i i have to draw a line under this and where might people find some similar writing to these thoughts well our little hobble on the web is at contentadvisory.net and uh yeah you can find more stuff about that there and when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where do they find you? Oh, I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> you can't, you can't lose me. Um, no, I can be found on LinkedIn. I can be found on Twitter and uh, would love to engage with everybody there. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much, Robert. And will I see you in the bar next week? You will indeed. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. A bit shocked. He went another week without tequila. And as regular listeners know, that's his normal tipple. And of course, the elephant was a bit of a surprise too. But a good discussion about marketing process. Following on from planning and data, it's quite a serious show this week. 
So that's a wrap on episode 72, the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks again to Jeff, Michael and Robert. I really appreciate their time and for them sharing their insights. So please check out their work. You can find all their details in the show notes in your favorite podcatcher and at rockstarcmo.fm. We can also find all our previous episodes. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox selecting our track and driving along with us let me know what you think get in touch please leave a rating or review or just keep listening i'm glad you're here next week i chat with kirsten allegri williams the cmo at optimizely jeff clark will be back planning and i'll no doubt find robert rose rockstar cmo virtual until then i've been your host ian truscott and i hope you join us again next week here at rockstar cmo FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.